I hope you guys are doing well. It's been a very, 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 very hot day. My complexion has suffered. I will make me those skincare products so I can retain my my yellow boneless color. I hope you guys are doing good. I'm back with another podcast. We are still on the abstract book episodes and today we continue with the same book that we we were doing sometime in the week a book by Trevor Noah Bonacry and today's title or book chapter is called The Chameleon and I'm gonna take an abstract from that chapter and we see how it flows where it flows and so it goes something like this as apartheid was coming to an end South Africans elite private schools started accepting children of all colors my mother's company offered bursaries scholarships for underprivileged families and she managed to get me into Maryvale College, an expensive private Catholic school. Classes taught by nuns, mass on Fridays, the whole bit. I started preschool there when I was three, primary school when I was five. In my class, we had all kinds of kids, black, white, Indian, colored. Most of the white kids were pretty well off, Every child of color pretty much wasn't. But because of scholarships, we all sat at the same table. We wore the same maroon blazer, the same gray legs and skirts. We had the same books. We had the same teachers. There was no racial separation. Every clique was racially mixed. Kids still got teased and bullied. But it was over usual kid stuff. Being fair or skinny, being tall or short, being smart or dumb. I don't think I remember anybody being teased about their race. I didn't learn to put limits on what I was supposed to be or not like. I had a wide path of to explore myself. I had crushes on white girls. I had crushes on black girls. Nobody asked me what I was. I was Trevor. It was a wonderful experience to have, but the downside was that it sheltered me from reality. Maryvale was an oasis that kept me from the truth, a comfortable place where I could avoid making a tough decision. But the real world doesn't go away. Racism exists. People are getting hurt. And just because it's not happening to you doesn't mean it's not happening. And at some point you have to choose, black or white. Pick a side. You can try to hide from it. You can say, oh, I don't pick sides. But at some point, life will force you to pick a side. At the end of grade 6, I left Maryville to go to H. H. Jack Primary Government School. I had to take an aptitude test before I started. And based on the results of the test, the school counselor told me, you're going to be in the smart classes. The A class. 
I showed up for the first day of school and went to my classroom. Of the 30 or so kids in my class, almost all of them were white. There was no Indian, or there was one Indian kid, maybe one or two black kids and me. Then recess came. We went out on the playground and black kids were everywhere. It was an ocean of black, like someone had opened a tap and all the black had come pouring out. I was like, where? Where were they all hiding? The white kids admit that morning they went in one direction, the black kids went in another direction, and I was left standing in the middle, totally confused. Were we going to meet up later on? I did not understand what was happening. I was 11 years old, and it was like I was seeing my country for the first time. In the townships, you don't see segregation because everyone is black. In the white world, anytime my mother took me to a white church, we were the only black people there. And my mom didn't separate herself from anyone. She didn't care. She'd go right up and sit with the white people. And at Maryville, the kids were mixed up and hanging out together. Before that day, I had never seen people being together yet not together, occupying the same space, yet choosing to associate with each other in any way. In an instant, I could see, I could feel how the boundaries were drawn. Groups moved in color patterns across the yard, up the stairs, down the hall, it was insane. I looked over at the white kids I'd met that morning. Ten minutes earlier, I thought I was at school where they were a majority. Now I realized how few of them they actually were compared to everyone else. I stood there awkwardly by myself in this no man's land in the middle of the playground. Luckily, I was rescued by the Indian kid from my class, a guy named Thizan Pile. Thizan was one of the few Indian kids in the school. So he noticed me, another obvious outsider right away. He ran over to introduce himself. Hello, fellow anomaly. You're in my class. Who are you? What's your story? We started talking and hit it off. He took me under his wing, the artful dodger to my bewildered Oliver. Through our conversation, it came up that I spoke several African languages, and Thizan thought a colored kid speaking black languages was the most amazing trick. He brought me over to a group of black kids. Say something, he told them, and he'll show you he understands you. One kid said something in Zulu, and I replied to him in Zulu. Everyone cheered. Another kid said something in Kosa, and I replied to him in Kosa. Everyone cheered. For the rest of recess, Thizan took me around to different black kids on the playground. Show them your trick. Do your language thing. The black kids were fascinated. In South Africa back then, it wasn't common to find a white person or a colored person who spoke African languages. During apartheid, white people were always taught that these languages were beneath them. So the fact that I did speak African languages immediately endeared me to the black kids. How come you speak our language, they asked. Because I'm black, 
I said. Like you. You're not black. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Have you not seen yourself? They were confused at first because of my color. They thought I was a colored person, but speaking the same language meant that I belonged to their tribe. It just took them a moment to figure it out. It took me a moment too. At some point, I turned to one of them and said, Hey, how come I don't see you guys in any of my classes? It turned out they were in the B classes, which also happened to be the black classes. That same afternoon, I went back to the A classes, and by the end of the day, I realized that they weren't for me. Suddenly, I knew who my people were, and I wanted to be with them. I went to see the school counselor. I'd like to switch over, I told her. I'd like to go to the B class. She was confused. Oh no, she said. I don't think you want to, to do that. Why not? Because those kids are, you know. No, I don't know. What do you mean? Look, she said. You're a smart kid. You don't want to be in that class. But aren't the classes the same? English is English. Math is math. Yeah, but that class is... Those kids are going to hold you back. You want to be in the smart class. But surely there must be some smart kids in the B class. No, there aren't. But all my friends are there. You don't want to be friends with those kids. Yes, I do. We went back and forth. Finally, she gave me a stern warning. You do realize the effect of this will have on your future. You do understand what you are giving up. This will impact the opportunities you'll have to open to you for the rest of your life. I'll take that chance. I moved to the Beatles with the black kids. I decided I'd rather be held back with the people I liked than move ahead with the people I don't know. But I didn't belong with the white kids. I wasn't a part of their tribe. But the black kids embraced me. Come along, they said. You're all in with us. With the black kids, I wasn't constantly trying to be. With the black kids, I just was. The end. And so on this chapter, The Chameleon, Trevor speaks about race relations, how he found himself in a place where he thought there were no black kids, but after research there was a flood of, of black kids, so there was a flood of blackness, and it amazed him to say, who are all these people, where did they come from, it turned out the classes were separated, they were the white kids and the black kids they were separated to say these are the smart classes and these are the you know the other class and his ability to speak the different African languages mesmerized the black kids to say how who is this white man who can who can speak our language you know and if there's one thing that I've come to realize is that the ability to speak a certain language or the inability to can either open doors for you or close doors for you. I've been in places whereby people respond to you based on the language that you speak or from the tribe that you, you come from. Sometimes people feel like we are invading their their space, we are invading their 
their homes. And I remember I was in Eastern Cape about a year ago. It was my first time in Eastern Cape. In fact, it was the second time, but this time around I stayed there for some for some time. And I realized that language is very powerful. Language is a lifestyle. How people speak reflects to how they behave. And if you find yourself in a space where you don't understand the dialect, it becomes a problem for you to understand the lifestyle. And one of the best things you can do for yourself is to learn the different languages that coexist in the different spaces that you are planted in. You know. And so Trevor had to make a decision to say, do I stay with these kids, the majority of the whites, or do I go to the black? Because with the white kids, he felt he didn't belong. Their lives didn't reflect the place he came from. He grew up in Soweto, and Soweto is a, it's a black neighborhood. And he has a black mother, black grandparents, and a whole lot of that. And so parts of his roots are in the black culture. And so he understands the dialect and the dynamics of how black people live, how they behave, how they communicate. And for him, that was a commodity. For him, it gave him the upper hand to say, you can, you can live in these two worlds, the white and the black. Or you can be an individual who faces this different groups so you can float around and you can blend well with this group and this group you know so his ability to speak different language gave him the upper hand over the majority of others his skin color gave him an upper hand to can be able to fit in the white side and to be able to fit in the black side hence he tackled this chapter the chameleon you know chameleons change color in relation to the environment they are in so he was able to fit in the white space he would change color too he would become white when he was with white he would become black when he was at the black community and yeah it's a it's a fascinating thing to learn that language plays a, a huge role and not and not only language but then how that language is delivered. And this brings the concept of accents. Accents determine a lot of things. People can understand and feel that you are not of them because of your accent. They can say, yeah, you speak speed, but then you don't speak this speed. You speak Zulu, but you don't speak this Zulu. And you may be saying all the right things, but then the accent, the accent will be different. And then people can tell, oh yeah, no, this one is Zulu, but then uh, he's not from this place. You know, and so accents, Trevor mentioned once upon a time to say, accents are the hidden languages of languages. So accent in itself, it's some sort of 
a language derived from a language you know and sometimes people feel like you impose but an imposter because you don't speak their language the way they speak it and they feel that you're undermining this language not knowing that you are not of that particular tribe so how you pronounce it in things is not the same as how they would pronounce those things and so accents are the hidden languages of languages and i think we can stop it here for the day that was a beautiful and interesting chapter very interesting and he further says race issues still exist up to date and sometimes if you've grown in a single space where the majority or the only people you ever contact have been in contact with shapes how you view the world if i grew up in a black community i chances are i might say racism doesn't exist because i've never been in a space with people of different races so for me race is a foreign term up until i get to a space whereby yeah i see these white people uh, these indians uh, these what what people are you know you understand and see and feel the demeanor so i sometimes get annoyed when people say i don't see color so you don't see color so you don't acknowledge me as a person you don't acknowledge my identity because you say you don't see color so sometimes i i get a bit shaky when people say i know me me i don't see color me we are all humans yes we are humans but acknowledge my uniqueness acknowledge the place that i come from acknowledge the people that i came from you know and in most of his comedy he speaks of race issues and he says he speaks of race issues because race doesn't seem to be going away the problems it is associated with we still have people making race remarks and a whole lot of stuff and i'm not sure if we will ever get to a point where race isn't an issue because racism is a learned behavior and if you grow up in a space whereby people around you make racial remarks you grow up to be you you grow up to absorb those those habits from them you know not always but then sometimes sometimes we do because racism is something that is learned it's not something you're born with unless maybe it has been proven by by someone somewhere but as far as i can think and believe is that racism is a learned behavior much like hate you know but then i do believe we shall continue to combat race issues in whatever way that we can really believe you enjoyed the podcast remember we are using this podcast as a foundation to start conversations conversations with self or conversation with the world and till we meet again ciao